Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt is sponsored by the Marquardt Law Firm and does not attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of information contained herein. Instead, contact an attorney to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. The views and opinions of this program do not reflect the views of the Salem Media Group. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question, veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm your host, Todd Marquardt. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to discuss the law about the to the public, uh, but because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information discussed has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing and failing to do your will. Please help attorney Daniel Palmer and me give good information to the listeners about expunction and non-disclosure of criminal records today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today uh, we're going to be talking about expunctions and non-disclosure of uh, criminal records uh, based on Texas law, because we're in San Antonio, Texas. And by the way, this is uh, 9.30 a.m. The Answer, Talk Law Radio, with your host, Todd Marquardt. Uh, you can call in if you have a question. Uh, the number is 210-308-8867, or if you want to dial toll-free, you can dial 866-308-8867. So with me today is Attorney Daniel Palmer. How are you? I'm just fine. Good morning. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, Todd, my name is Daniel Palmer, as you stated. I am a, a native of San Antonio. I was born and raised here. I've lived here uh, my whole life. Uh, graduate of Antonian High School. Go Apaches. Um, I graduated after that from the University of Texas at Austin. Go Horns. I'm going to be watching the game here after this. If you're an Aggie, uh, please don't tune out. Uh, <laughs> we, we got good advice for you, too. Um, after I graduated from UT, I came back to my hometown of San Antonio. 
um, spent some time at St. Mary's. Um, after I left uh, St. Mary's School of Law when I graduated, uh, I immediately started working at the district attorney's office in Bear County. Uh, I was a prosecutor there for uh, a little over three years, and um, after that I worked at a firm where I, I did a little bit of personal injury, I did some criminal defense, and then I opened up my own practice uh, where I handled uh, almost primarily criminal defense where I did a lot of uh, expunctions and non-disclosures that we're going to be talking about. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, I think that my, my wife and my son hopefully are at home listening. Uh, <laughs> I have a, a beautiful wife that is uh, uh, here. She's a principal at a school in San Antonio and a rambunctious, dinosaur-obsessed six-year-old uh, that I can't wait to see when we're done here. You were telling me yesterday you tried uh, Frisbee golf for the first time. Uh, what was that like? I was unsuccessful at it. My <laughs> my six year old beat me, but it was it was really fun to try for the first time. If anyone uh, likes golf and uh, but doesn't have the time to burn an entire afternoon, I think it's an amazing thing to try, especially with family. Yeah, I'd like to try that sometime. I used to throw the frisbee for my dogs and and for my kids, um, and I know that with frisbee golf, you you have different types of discs, right? That's right. It's, it works kind of like golf to where you have uh, a driver, you have uh, basically fairway irons, and then you have a putter. And they weigh different? They're amount? all, yeah, they're different weights, uh, different sizes. And, uh, you know, it's the rules are essentially the same, um, but the plane's a bit more fast paced. Okay. Well, that would be fun to try. Um, so let's get into expunctions and non disclosures. Um, why is it that anybody would need this? Well, you know, I in my practice, I run into um, a lot of folks who, you know, they had something on their record from a long time ago, and they're getting older, and they just wanted it off their record. And that, it's as simple as that. Um, more often, though, I would deal with folks that um, maybe got arrested for something that they were, you know, improperly accused of. Um, or they, uh, they were in a situation to where they made a mistake when they were young and they're trying to get a better job now, something like that. And, and this is holding them back from it. Um, so luckily, we have this avenue um, under Texas law that allows people uh, in certain situations that have either been you know, improperly accused or have simply just made mistakes in their life uh, to clear their record uh, in order to, to move forward and, and live the best life that they can for themselves and their family. I think the most well-known way to get a criminal record off your off your record is uh, what's been in the news a lot lately, the pardon. So the, the president can do that. The governor can do that. Uh, how common is it for people to get pardoned? Well, you know, I can tell you um, from personal experience, uh, just to be honest, I've, I've literally never heard of anyone getting a pardon personally. Um, I've read about it. Um, I have had uh, people uh, approach me about uh, helping them out trying to get a pardon, but it is extremely uncommon. Um, I'm sure that there may be an attorney that's going to text me as soon as I get off and say, I did it successfully, but um, I've personally never seen it, seen it and I don't, I don't have any friends that have done it successfully either. It's extremely rare. But there's other ways, uh, like you said, the uh, expunction and non-disclosure. So just to, just to introduce the, the differences before we uh, take a break and then dig in, 
Um, just want to remind you, if you just now turn, tuned in, it's uh, Todd Marquardt, your host, with Talk Law Radio on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, and we have attorney Daniel Palmer here who's going to explain the difference between expunction and nondisclosure. What's the difference? So, uh, you know, without jumping into too much detail, the major difference between an expunction and a nondisclosure is that and it, the benefit of an expunction is that it essentially is an order that asks any type of agency, any type of governmental agency that has any record, not only of your criminal case, but of also the arrest, uh, if, again, if this is signed by the judge, to be uh, deleted, erased, um, gotten rid of. Uh, and again, it's a specific order from the judge to do that. So all of these agencies that have anything uh, you know, in regards to your, your prior arrest will have to get rid of those. The major benefit of an expunction that a lot of people don't realize is that not only does it seal your record, so there's nothing else, uh, you know, there's no indication that you'd ever been arrested before, but legally, if you're in a job interview in the future and you have an expunction that's done and somebody asks, have you ever been arrested for an offense? You can legally say no, even though you mm-hmm. technically have been arrested, which is huge. Um, a non-disclosure, you don't have those rights, unfortunately. So what does it mean exactly, non-disclosure? So an order of non-disclosure is for people in situations to where they have entered into specific types of plea bargain agreements on specific types of cases um, and they want to get their record what's called sealed. Now, when they get their record sealed, it doesn't go away completely. Um, there are a number of governmental agencies that will still um, have access to their records, um, and there are a number of governmental agencies um, that will retain those forever. Um, the most common ones are district attorney's offices, uh, courts, um, things to that matter. Okay, so we'll get into more detail after this break. Uh, This is Todd Marquardt, your host of Talk Law Radio on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And we're talking to attorney Daniel Palmer, who has experience with expunctions and nondisclosures. And so we'll find out exactly what the law is on this and why is it so confusing and so difficult to do this yourself. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. They can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. Welcome back. It's Todd Marquardt, your host of Talk Law Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. Here talking with attorney Daniel Palmer about expunctions and non-disclosures. 
And before the break, he mentioned briefly what the difference is there. And so now we're going to get into the details about what expunction is and what the law is and how to get it done. So what are some common scenarios, Mr. Palmer, that that you have seen um, and you've seen successfully get expunged? So the most common situations that I have seen, uh, really it comes down to three. Uh, Folks who have been, um, their case has, they've been arrested for something rather, um, but they were never charged. Uh, So they were never indicted or an information was never followed or uh, filed, excuse me. Um, Folks who uh, charges were filed, but the case ended up being dismissed for a variety of different reasons. And then you have folks who um, charges were filed. They went through the entire process. They went to trial, and then they won at trial, and they were acquitted. So they would be eligible for an expunction. So like O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson could have applied for an expunction. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. And so if somebody thinks that they fit under one of those uh, circumstances, what do they do to get started? So the first thing that they need to do, um, you know – the state of Texas has created this website called TexasLawHelp.com, and the idea was that um, essentially to give power to uh, individuals, to give power to the people, to allow them um, to do these expunctions on their own and, and kind of give them the, the education and the steps to do that. Um, the issue that I have, even though I think it's a great program, is that this is a complicated process. And I, I frequently see um, – I have have had several clients who have tried to do this on their own and then hire me because they ended up wasting you know, uh, quite a bit of money uh, because they did it incorrectly. So the first step that I think that they should take would be to, to hire a licensed attorney. Um, not only a licensed attorney, but one that is familiar um, specifically with uh, the expunction statute um, and, and how to push this forward. Yeah, that's always a good first step, getting a professional on your side uh, to walk you through the process. Um, but if they didn't, if if they just wanted to uh, file something, what is it that they need to file? What What would the first step be for the attorney even? So for the attorney, what you're going to do is you have to gather all of the information about the arrest because – what you need to do, what you need to file, excuse me, and what is going to uh, be reviewed by the judge is the actual petition for non-disclosure. That's the official document that you file with the court that the judge will see. Um, in that petition, um, there are a, a number of things that have to be laid out, but the most important is uh, some of the information about the actual charge and arrest. And where where I see a lot of people um, screw up is which agencies have these records and need to be served notice of when this actual court uh, hearing is where the judge will look over the petition and decide whether or not to grant the order. So what agencies would would be examples? So, for example, um, the district attorney's office of whatever county you're in. Um, And I'll briefly pause to say that, um, again, to complicate things further, uh, the agencies that you need to include on your application are different for every single county in Texas. Um, so you'll always have the district or county attorney's office on there. Um, I always include uh, ver- pretty much any uh, agency that had anything to do with the case as in a police agency. So San Antonio Police Department, Bear County Sheriff's Office, um, whatever court it was in. Um, I always include uh, the FBI um, because they might have records. 
Um, DPS often has uh, records if it has anything to do with your driver's license. So there, there are numerous ones, and it's on a case-by-case basis to see which ones you have to include in the petition. So these are agencies that ha- have or, or may have, probably have, some connection to the, the actual charge. Absolutely. Okay, so give us an example. If um, some cases that, that I read about, there was one case where an individual was indicted for securities fraud. Uh, I guess um, in his case, it might be the Security Exchange Commission because that, that would be involved there. Absolutely. And uh, let's see. If it was a drug charge, I've read another case where uh, someone had uh, been charged with possession of less than two ounces of marijuana um, involved in that could conceivably be drug enforcement agency. It could potentially. And, you know, and, and that's why you, it's really important that the attorney knows, um, you know, not only what agencies, you know, may be uh, or may need to be notified of this, uh, but also the bigger umbrella agencies and how to deal with them. You know, DPS has a long reach on on who they uh, give their records to. So you need to be able to be aware of, hey, do I just need to serve DPS or do I have to go down, you know, um, and look deeper into this and see if there are other entities that could be under DPS that need to be served specifically? Most of the time they don't, but in certain situations they might. Okay. Well, that seems complicated. It is. <laughs> <laughs> you have to sort of dream up um, – any conceivable possible government uh, agency to include just to be noticed in that. And it's really a lawsuit, right? A lawsuit against the state to get your records. Is that how you would describe it? I think it's a good way to look at it. I, I think it's a good way to look at it. And, and to touch on what you had just said about the complicated nature of this is, um, you know, I think that a lot of people look at these, um, especially a lot of lay people, and to be honest, a lot of uh, attorneys that are unfamiliar with it and and that screw these things up, they look at it as this is just a form. I fill it out, I file it with the court, and it's done. Um, and and it's just not that simple. And it's never been that simple. And so, you know, again, this is one of those situations to where it might seem uh, uncomplicated uh, on its face, but once you start digging into it, um, you see all the complexities of it. Okay, good. So you mentioned there are are. S- some people, some arrests that are eligible for this process and some that are not. Is it easier for you to explain uh, the arrests that are eligible or the ones that are not eligible? Well, and this is in terms of expunctions? Yeah. So the thing about expunctions, um, again, we have a limited time here today, so I won't dump, jump too much into it. But if there's a dismissal on an expu- – or if there's dismissal on a case, rather, um, then – it can be expunged um, as, as long as, um, you know, again, the, the right criteria fall into place. Um, I'm talking specifically about um, one incident, no other uh, charges within that incident. If it has been dismissed, you can get it expunged. The issue, though, that we run into is that every case has a statute of limitations. And what a statute of limitations is for listeners who don't, who don't know um, it's essentially uh, a, a legally allotted amount of time that a district attorney or a county attorney's office has to prosecute a case. Now, um, in some cases, they're very short. They're, you know, maybe a year. 
Um, but in some cases, there is no statute of limitations. Um, uh, extremely violent cases, um, like murders, for example, there isn't. So how that relates to this, if you have a case that was dismissed um, and you want to get it expunged, a lot of times you have to wait out that statute of limitations. Okay. Easy for the simple cases, but it gets real complicated for those ones that don't have a statute mm-hmm. of limitations. Okay, so you have to have a dismissal in order to get an expungement. Correct. Now, a lot of people might think that their case was dismissed, but maybe it, it still isn't eligible. Um, that would be deferred adjudication or something like that, right? That's right. That's right. They, the, the law considers that to be a, a conviction or I don't understand the terminology there. Well, you know, there's, there's two situations that I see um, where, where folks think that they might be eligible for expunction based on maybe what an attorney has told them or, or sometimes even what a judge has told them. Um, defer, there's deferred adjudication and there's probation, which are, are both technically forms of probation. With deferred adjudication, um, the idea is that you complete uh, the tasks that the DA's office asks of you. If you complete everything successfully, they dismiss the case. Now, even though the case is dismissed, it doesn't mean it goes away completely. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but um, it is ineligible for an expunction in most scenarios um, if it's an arrestable offense. If it's a Class C misdemeanor, it's a little bit different. Um, If it is an uh, what we call a straight-ahead probation, which is a straight probation case, if you plead to something like that, it's an automatic conviction on your record. And again, outside of a Class C um, you're, you're very limited on what you can get in terms of an expunction because it is a conviction. So this is why it's so important to stay out of trouble, hang out with uh, people that stay out of trouble, um, because uh, not only is this going to be an inconvenience for you today and in the immediate future, but it could haunt you down the road. Um, you mentioned some experiences where where you have uh, heard people being haunted by a, a deferred adjudication or a conviction of some sort down the road. Uh, will you just mention some of those examples briefly when it might come back? Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll give you some examples that, that didn't have happy endings and, and a couple that did. Okay. Um, you know, the ones that didn't are folks who um, had an attorney. They A lot of times they hired the attorney. Um, and this attorney told them, if you plead to, um, you know, deferred adjudication, you're, you're on deferred adjudication probation for six months. And then when you're done, the judge dismisses your case and they go, great. And so then they go and plead in front of the judge and the judge says, you know, son, if you do everything you're supposed to do, then this case will be dismissed in six months. Great. They see the judge's order. It says the same thing. Mm -hmm. So they think the case goes away forever and, and it really doesn't. So then, you know, I've had a situation where, uh, and I can't go into too much detail, obviously, because of attorney-client privilege, but this is an individual that was uh, looking to become a nurse. And um, she thought that she could expunge this case under, uh, you know, what she'd been previously told, um, and she couldn't. So the nursing board found out about it. She had to hire an attorney for, you know, to fight this, you know, against the nursing board. And so it it became kind of a a huge deal. now, another situation where I had that uh, thankfully ended up good for the client uh, was a situation to – I had a client uh, who had gotten a DWI, a driving while intoxicated, while he was in college. And uh, that happened. He was very young. He was in his late 50s uh, when he hired me. 
Um, the DWRA had been um, expunged, luckily, or excuse me, it had been dismissed, but the record was still there. He was trying to get an apartment for his son who was in college and was unable to do so uh, because this was on his record. And the apartment complex had very specific requirements uh, as to uh, you know how you could get an apartment there. So we were able to get it taken care of. Um, this was an out-of-state client, and, and I got someone for him. Um, but it, it was it was a pain getting there. So these things can certainly haunt you down the road. Yeah, and that would be embarrassing too. <laughs> sure. Yeah, his son wasn't happy about <laughs> have it. Have <laughs> to explain what happened to your your kids. Oh yeah. Uh, so when I first started practicing, um, I didn't have a job in a big law firm or anything, and uh, well, one of the attorneys that um, had a had a child that went to school with my son. She said, well, I will show you around the courthouse, and I'll show you how to uh, represent indigent criminal clients. And uh, so I, I met all the judges and court coordinators and started uh, representing indigent criminal defendants. And my number one priority was to tell these people to live a different life, <laughs> whatever that means. Um, because uh, I, I only had a short period of time with them. Many of them uh, didn't want to go to trial or anything like that. They just wanted to find a solution to get out of uh, court for that day. And so I would say, by the way, um, you know, maybe sh you should find a different group of friends. Maybe that'll look good to the judge. You know, uh, maybe you should start going to church. You know, maybe that'll look good to the judge. Maybe you should start volunteering with a, a charity. Um, but we'll talk more about uh, non-disclosures when we come back from our break. Stay tuned. Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt is sponsored by the Marquardt Law Firm and does not attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of information contained herein. Instead, contact an attorney to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. The views and opinions of this program do not reflect the views of the Salem Media Group. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. This is your host, Todd Marquardt. We're on 9.30 a.m. The Answer and if you have questions about expunctions or non-disclosure or sealing a criminal record, give us a call at 210-308-8867, and attorney Daniel Palmer and I will try and answer your question on the air. Now, this is a very complex area of law. Uh, if you just start looking at the forms that you have to fill out in order to make a request to get your criminal record expunged or sealed, uh, you'll find out quickly how difficult this is and how detailed uh, everything has to be because if you don't fill things out the right way, you're going to be denied. So we, we just finished talking about non-disclosure in a little bit of detail, and now we're going to talk about uh, non-disclosure and how that's different from expunctions. Mr. Palmer, tell us, give us the details. So uh, in a general sense, uh, you know, one of the main things that is different between a non-disclosure um, and a, an expunction is that 
a non-disclosure only seals part of your record. With an expunction, again, everything is gone. But a non-disclosure is not exactly the same. Basically, what it's doing is it is stopping public entities from releasing any type of information that you may have that's related, um, you know, to your your specific case. So, um, we commonly see this uh, with courts, um, court clerks, law enforcement agencies, um, you know, agencies of that of, in that regard. Um, the thing that is uh, is is unfortunate about uh, a non-disclosure is that even if it is done properly. Um, even if you filled out the form, forms properly, the judge still has some discretion on whether they want to grant it or not. So you could have done everything that you were supposed to do, and at the end of the day, the judge can still think that it's not in the best interest of justice, um, and they can find that you're not entitled to it and deny it. That's one of the elements in the interest of justice. That's correct. And so that could be interpreted however the judge wants? It could be. And, you know, you could have a situation to where you have an amazing judge who's just having a bad day um, and you get him, you, you catch him on that bad day. And that could be the difference between, you know, your case being uh, granted a non-disclosure, an order of non-disclosure or not. Is there a hearing? There is a hearing. Um, now, sometimes what judges will do is they will just review um, the petition and order on their own and they can just grant it unilaterally or um, they can actually bring you to court and have a hearing on it um, with a member of the district attorney's office. Um, and there's some other individuals that could be there as well. And so what would an argument be by the district attorney's office uh, why they might not why, – why would they oppose – uh, one of these non-disclosure requests? Uh, you know, to be honest, in my experience, I, I think I've been very lucky that I've never had the DA's office oppose any any orders of non-dis- or non-disclosure that I've submitted to the court. Um, you know, I have had uh, certain situations uh, or I've heard of certain situations to where there were, there were folks with, uh, you know, long criminal records um, that they were afraid might reoffend again. And so, um, you know, getting this off of their record in, in terms of a non-disclosure um, would actually hurt the community at large. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I was wondering, uh, I listened to a podcast where the expunction was uh, discussed, and these were non-lawyers discussing um, this same question, and and they were wondering, should this even be allowed? So what's the public policy reason behind um, giving this option? Well, you know, I think um, most importantly is you have individuals uh, that fall into two camps. And this is why I think, and I think the legislature thought that this was so important. Uh, number one, uh, people who were truly falsely accused of crimes. Um, you know, they should not have this arrest or whatever it is, follow them around for the rest of their lives when uh, at the end of the day, either the district attorney's office or the police department um, didn't do their job properly. Uh, you have that situation, and then you have a situation to where there's someone who 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 did do the crime, um, but truly made a mistake. They're remorseful. Um, they are an asset to the community, and they're just doing their best to uh, you know move past it and and continue on with their lives. Okay, those sound like good reasons to me uh, why the the law should allow people to do this. And so, if you're listening and you know somebody who has had a a criminal past or they have had an arrest. A lot of times, in my experience, um, 
people don't really talk about all the details of their arrest. And and so family members, they don't always know the details. So just uh, ask, say, hey, I heard it on the radio. Uh, you can get possibly an expunction or, or get your criminal record sealed and tell them to uh, go find an attorney to help them do that so that their opportunities aren't limited. Um, one, one thing you mentioned uh, was uh, somebody who couldn't get an apartment. Um, you know, that, that could be a stumbling block for <laughs> quite some time. Sure. Um, so let's go back to non-disclosure. Uh, what do you have to prove? So basically, with the non-disclosure, um, you have to prove that, uh, one, you fall into the category uh, of offenses that is eligible. There, there are a number of offenses that are not eligible. Um, I'm, I, you know, we don't have time to sit here and list everyone, but generally speaking, if it is uh, involving um, any type of violence, um, it, it is if, if it is a crime of any type of sexual nature, they're not going to be eligible, even if you did everything you were supposed to do. Um, what I saw was typically folks that had low-level drug cases, um, low-level theft cases, things of that nature. So you have to prove that you're eligible. You have to prove that um, you completed the terms of the agreement successfully and that you were actually terminated from your deferred adjudication. Um, or as a Class C, uh, it could be probation. Um, and you have to prove that you have waited out the specific waiting period um, which every uh, type of case, well, not every type of case, but every level of, of offense, rather, um, has a different waiting period time that you must wait out before you can actually apply. So that would be like a, a year for misdemeanors or, or five years? Is yeah, it? It, it varies on the level of the offense. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay, good. So you wait out that amount of time, and then you contact your attorney and tell them, I want to get this expunged. Mm-hmm. Or, or in this case, uh, non-disclosure. Is that the same thing as sealed? A, it, it can be used interchangeably. Um, typically, when people say sealed, they mean non-disclosure. Um, but again, one of the reasons it's, it's so important to, to contact an attorney is because I've heard people use the term uh, sealed when they're referring to expunctions. They mm-hmm. say, my lawyer said I could get uh, my record sealed, so I want an expunction, and mm-hmm. I have to break it to him. I say, you're not eligible for an expunction, my friend. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're kind of stuck. And so, again, that's why it, it is a complicated field. What about juveniles? Where do they fall in, in the range of things that they could do to get their criminal history behind them? Sure. So, um, you know, I, I, did a, I did a lot of juvenile work in, in solo practice, and frankly, it was my favorite area of practice. And um, the great thing about juvenile court, you know, without, without jumping into it too much, because I could talk about, uh, you know, juvenile work quite a bit, because uh, I enjoyed it so much, is that the courts and the DA's office, generally speaking, really try to work with the kids. And they really do, for the most part, have the best interest of the kid um, in mind. Um, the legislature kind of feels the same way about this. Um, you know, in Chapter 58 of the Texas Family Code, that's what governs expunctions for juveniles. And generally speaking, um, almost in almost every situation, as long as you're not being sent um, to, you know, juvenile uh, prison, um, you can usually get your case expunged. Um, it's a different process completely. Um, you actually have a hearing. Um, so it's it's quite a bit different, um, but it is eligible for juveniles, and most of them uh, have the ability to do that. 
Is it automatic that once you turn 18, your your all the criminal stuff uh, when you were a child just automatically gets sealed? So it's it's a bit complicated, um, and the legislature has gone back and forth on this um, quite a bit. So you know what could be. Uh, one way of doing it today could change uh, at the next legislative session. Um, there is a statute that allows it uh, to be automatically done at a certain age um, that has gone back between 19 and 21, um, you know, back and forth. It's been a while since I've done a juvenile expunction. Okay. Okay. But could, the, are there some circumstances where you would want to make that specific request using the the statutes that you mentioned? Absolutely. So when I have done that, um, I've basically asked the judge to grant it under, um, you know, a best interest of the child standard, which you see common in the family code, um, and also a best uh, or in the interest of justice standard. Uh, I have used this in situations to where I have a client um, who is trying to apply to college. You know, and they don't want to wait out that period until mm-hmm. it gets done automatically. Oh, I see. So you you could make the request even if it might be automatic. Correct. Okay, great. Well, now you know there's something that you can do to help out your younger family members who are trying to make it in the world. So we finished talking about expunctions and non-disclosures, and we're coming into our fourth segment. Well, we'll be talking about legacy and how you might be able to incorporate uh, some provisions in your estate plan to help out family members and potential beneficiaries who might have had a past that they're not proud of. Again, you're listening to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt, on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Stay tuned. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. It can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. It's your host, Todd Marquardt, on 930 AM The Answer, talking with attorney Daniel Palmer about expunctions and non-disclosures and sealed criminal records. Uh, Hopefully none of us have those problems and uh, almost nobody wants to talk about it, but um, that's why we bring the tough questions to you so that you can uh, find those hidden legal issue blind spots in your life and to work on things for yourself and for those that you love. So, Mr. Palmer, uh, we've talked about expunctions and non-disclosures, and uh, we're in our fourth segment now, and so we're heading towards the end of the show. 
lastly, I, I wanted to talk about how can people help those that they love, their beneficiaries, their children, grandchildren? What's one way that, that you've thought that um, you could help clients and their families in this area? Sure. So, you know, one of, uh, one of the beauties of, of uh, creating an estate plan, uh, you know, for your legacy is that you can customize it um, to, you know, essentially almost anything uh, you want, as long as it's within the law. Well, let me stop you right there, because I have had some Frankenstein wills <laughs> drawn up by people that did write things that they wanted. And uh, believe me, the probate process for those families was much more expensive than if they had a lawyer write up those same (laughs) desires and goals. So I I had a professor in law school that was explaining the test one time. And uh, some other student, I don't even remember who it was, uh, was asking the professor about the essay. And and the student was saying... Professor, if if I explain things in a way that makes you think that I understand the topic, but I don't actually use the same words as uh, specific that I should, uh, do I get credit for that? And the professor said, no. <laughs> <laughs> you have to use the right words. Words have meaning. And so you need to study. <laughs> and... My point is that when you're writing a will or a trust, you have to use the right words. Okay, so go up, go on with your uh, your explanation about how people can help their loved ones with uh, maybe in, uh, putting it into their will or their trust somehow. And with that, I'm going to preface this by saying, get a lawyer <laughs> first. Yeah. Um, but no, Mr. Markworth's right. Um, it, it is important to get a lawyer because there there are you know um, specific there's specific verbiage that has to be used to make it um, you know more accessible for a court and a judge. Um, but you know specifically, you know I've run into situations um, you know with clients to where uh, I'll give you an example for a non-disclosure, and this relates to what we're talking about. Um, to where you know they have uh, they have wanted to apply to uh, become a nurse or to become a doctor or to become a lawyer, um, and you know if you get a non disclosure, um, you know those records are still going to be available uh, to all of those agencies to be able to see. Um, you know this kind of goes back to what we're talking about in, in the plea bargaining process earlier. So I just wanted to mention that. I think that it relates to this uh, specifically what what Mr. Markward is talking about. Um, because again, we we want to make sure, just as people, that um, you know our descendants and, and and the folks that we love and care about um, are able to live their best lives. And one of the ways to be able to achieve their dreams and and to reach those goals that they have um, is sometimes impeded by having uh, some sort of criminal arrest record. Um, so one of the ways that you can, you know, try to plan for this for, for your children or forever, you know, you have in your, your will or your trust is to incorporate, um, you know, payment for a lawyer um, to have an expunction or a non-disclosure done, um, you know, before uh, they become a trustee or before they become a beneficiary. Or if, if they get charged with something, hire a lawyer right away. Don't try to just handle this yourself because – the impact is going to be long-lasting 
if you do it the wrong way. One, one of the pitfalls in that uh, plea bargain process is um, not fully understanding what the dismissal is going to really look like if you uh, do deferred adjudication. Sure. And, and, you know, and that could be one of the things that's included in the state plan is that if, uh, you know, if you were ever to get in any trouble and had to hire a lawyer, it has to be a, you know, a lawyer that also regularly practices expunction and non-disclosure work. Mm-hmm. So you want to help them get that off their record if you can. Absolutely. It can affect a lot of things in, in the long run that we've, that we've already talked about. Yeah, and, and also related to this section would be uh, what I talked about last week with uh, attorney Alex Vollmer, which is uh, to legally possess a firearm, you can't be a prohibited person. And a prohibited person would be somebody with a, a criminal record, and so you want to make sure you don't have one. And if you haven't told your kids lately to obey the law, uh, now's a good time, a, a good reminder. Uh, and that's the exact way that I, I say to my kids. I, I, I don't say stay out of trouble um, because <laughs> I want to frame it in a, in a positive mindset. So I always tell them, obey the law. And uh, maybe I should uh, go into more detail now that I know this area of law, uh, because um, just practically speaking, it'll make your life more difficult later on. (laughs) Sure, absolutely. So you know at Marquardt Law Firm that we focus on last wills, living trusts, estate planning, tax-protected inheritance plans. And so Marquardt Law Firm's a sponsor of the show, and we always like to ask our guests about legacy because uh, with a will or with the trust, really the ultimate goal is to pass something down to our family members. It doesn't always have to be whatever's left, whatever assets I have, my home, my car, uh, my ranch, my farm, uh, my vacation home on the beach, my vacation home you know, on the lake. I don't really have all of those things, but um, some of our clients have one of those things. Uh, Even if it's just your favorite pair of boots, you know, that could be the legacy that your family really cherishes. So if you had to describe it, what would you say your legacy is? You know, it's been such a a heavy subject today talking about uh, the world of crime and, and all of these different things. So I'll try to keep it lighthearted. Um, you know, of course, I, I live every day, um, you know, trying to make sure that the legacy that I live is as is, is an honest, uh, loving husband and father. Um, but, you know, to be you know, more specific about something in particular and physical that I want, would like to hand down um, that's important to me is uh, anyone who knows me, if, if you're listening, you know that I have uh, an extreme passion for, for music. It's an incredibly important part of my life. Um, I have, God bless my wife because she puts up with, you know, the dozens of instruments that I have around the house and the thousands of vinyl records that I have in my collection everywhere. Um, but that's certainly something that, that, that passion and love for music, um, is something that I would, I would want to make sure that, that my family, um, you know, remembers me by. Well, how they, how could they forget it? (laughs) (laughs) There's no way to avoid it. (laughs) Right. So you play different instruments. I do. And you practice at home every day. Oh wow! Every day, it's a great stress reliever. It's a, it's, it is. Uh, my wife loves it because it's, 
it's healthy. I'm not going anywhere. Right. You know, she knows where I am. So uh-huh. <laughs> keeps that, everyone happy. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, one of the legacies in my family that started with my dad is the alto saxophone. Oh, beautiful instrument. So he played the saxophone. I played the saxophone. Uh, my oldest son, Reagan, played the saxophone. My middle son, Thomas, played the saxophone. My daughter, Caitlin, played the saxophone. Wow. And my dad and I played in college. Um, uh, my children have since given it up. They they didn't have the same passion that we did. But it's always something that we can uh, relate to each other. Right. Um, that, that saxophone that just kept getting passed around. And even... Uh, one of my cousins played on on the same saxophone because she was between my age and and my oldest son's age, and so I just asked for it back. Hey, <laughs> let me have that saxophone back because my son's about to start playing, and so that was fun. Um, my dad and I played uh, for a couple of weddings. Um, that was that was a lot of fun, and um, since my dad has been getting older. He's been playing the saxophone more. Oh, wow. He was a member of the the community college jazz band. And then he got this gig playing um, for an organization called IROC, where they played at the – what's that restaurant? Rock and roll restaurant. Forget the name of it. Anyway, sure. played at the famous restaurant in New York City. I got to see him play. Uh, he's he's quite the musician. So that's a legacy in, in my family. Uh, my granddad really uh, loved music. He didn't really play instruments, but he, he told me one time, um, music is a, a universal language that we can use to bring others to Christ. That was his idea for spreading the word was through music. And I I was involved with uh, an organization called uh, Link San Antonio uh, where we brought a uh, mariachi group to San Antonio. And and that group was famous for using mariachi music to spread the gospel. That was a lot of fun. so my grandfather had a piano uh, in his house, and, and my brother would try to teach him how to play the piano, and he'd write the notes with a pencil on the keys and try and hunt and peck <laughs> that way. Um, there was something else. Oh, my grandfather did try to learn to play the guitar, so my dad got him a guitar, you know, an acoustic guitar, and... um one time I was visiting, I said, Granddad, how's the guitar going? And he said, not so good. Uh, my fingers won't do what my brain tells them to do. <laughs> <laughs> Guitarist dilemma every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, but he would go to concerts. He enjoyed the concerts a lot. So thank you for joining us and talking to us today about expunctions and non-disclosures. Uh, This is your host, Todd Marquardt, with Talk Law Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. Um, Stick stick with us. Uh, Next week, we're going to be talking about eminent domain. And so uh, that might be interesting if you want to know how the government can take your land or pay a little bit of money for it 
if they think that there's a better use for it. See you next week.